0: So, okay, we are, uh, have been in this series of messages, healing for spirit, soul, and body, and we've covered a number of things. This is what this is. This is part six. So, we are making our way, hold on a second here, making our way uh, through this, and we've covered a number of things along the way. Uh, I, I titled it Spirit, Soul, and Body because the Bible teaches that we are three-part beings, I want to put this scripture up because I haven't shown this yet. We want to know where it is in our Bible. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Uh, It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So note the order that scripture puts our being in. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Most people would say it in the other order. They would say, I'm body, soul, and spirit. But scripture tells us the right order because we are born of God's spirit. And so our spirit is to the, is the, be the governor of our life, the most important part of our life. And so we would say, I am a spirit. I have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our personality. And I live, I have an outward fleshly body. And so most people, like I said, have said all along that people can become more mind and body conscious than they are spirit conscious. And so as we get into the Word of God and we see what God's Word has to say about healing, we realize that healing comes through believing God's Word, which is spirit and life. So, these words touch our spirit. So, we have to become, along the way, uh, after we give our life to Christ, uh, more spirit conscious. The things of the Spirit. As we, as we get into the Word of God, that'll happen. Because when we, when we receive something in our spirit, healing begins there. We know something in our heart often before we see something manifested on the outside. And so it's important for us to understand this is just the way our kingdom operates. Our spirit is the most important part of us. The second thing I've been trying to drive home is that it's God's will for you to be healed. Uh, That healing was provided for us through the finished work of Christ, through the atonement, what Jesus did for us on the cross. This is not up on on the screen, but you should have this underlined in your Bible 1st Peter 2:24 that it, it says there that he who himself meaning Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree meaning on the cross that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes the meaning the penalty the stripes that were put on Jesus we are healed so this divine exchange happened at the cross. He took on the penalty for our sin and gave us back his righteousness, his wholeness. And so we know that our sin debt is paid in full because he would have stayed in the grave until that penalty was uh, finished. And the power of the Holy Spirit, though, when we were fully justified, that penalty was paid in full, the power of the Holy Spirit came into that grave, rose, raised him from the dead seated him at the right hand of the Father. We've looked at some of these scriptures uh, in the past messages. So with the forgiveness of our sin comes the healing of our body, the offer for wholeness and health for our entire being, our our spirit, our soul. We can be mentally, emotionally made whole. And physically, Jesus offers physical wholeness for our whole being, for our body. And we have to be confident This is something that I could say to you in in a week or two or three or four, but it takes some time to get these truths down in your spirit, in your heart. Uh, Because there's a fight of faith involved. That's the third thing that I've been talking to you about. There's a fight of faith involved in this. Scripture says we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. We have an enemy. Satan is our enemy. He's real. He's going to come against your mind. This is where the battlefield is up here in your mind to tell you it's not for you it'll never work for you, you're not worthy of it. You know, whatever number of things that he might say, those are the things that he he wants to try to get your focus off of the truth and get your eyes, you know, on how you feel and on how your what your emotions are telling you. Let me turn my computer off here. And so we have to make an effort, I was saying this, to renew your mind to God's word and pay attention to how you think. I'm hoping that after some of these messages during the week, you're you're recognizing that, oh, that's a, oh, I see what maybe I heard on Sunday. That's a wrong thought. I need to cast down that imagination because it's going to take effort to do that very thing and pay it, by paying attention to how you think. You're going to have to tear down, we, st- we spoke about this, strongholds in our mind that want to oppose what God's word says. How many of you have noticed those things in your mind? Yeah, we all have them. And with that, you know, tearing down those strongholds, why, what, what we're doing, I mentioned this too last week, that we have to have a change of identity on the inside of us, change the inner image of who we really are, who Christ says we are. Because Second Corinthians 5.17, this should be underlined in your Bible too, it says if any person is in Christ, in other words, if, if you're born again, you've become a new creation, We don't look at ourselves after our old person, the old man anymore, the outward man. We become a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new, and all things are of God. It says, who reconciled us to himself. Reconciled to God. And we've talked about what that means. Reconciled meaning restored to perfect harmony. And that's why I brought up the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve were created by God with the intention to have God to have a divine family, to fill the earth, to love, to bless, to take dominion, to walk with him, talk with him. And so we are fully reconciled now. We don't see it yet, but we do see Jesus and we see what he's done for us. And this is why we are people who have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. See yourself as delivered through the, through the blood of Christ. You're saved. You're healed, Uh, you're set apart for him, you've been made righteous, you're welcome into his divine family, you've been given spiritual gifts. This is a good deal. (laughs) It's a good deal. You you have a a divine purpose, you have a calling from God to fulfill in the earth. It's the most amazing, spectacular thing, really, when we begin to, our eyes get open to it. But really, depending on your life circumstances, like your home environment, even that far back, that you grew up in before you come to Christ, the values you were taught, the words you heard, the things that were said to you, or maybe the things that weren't said to you, that needed to be said to you, about being loved, about being worthy, about being a special person to God, you know, all these things affect how easily we believe and accept the Word of God inside of our heart. Have you noticed that? I know that this was a big issue for me. I thought, well, if those things are true, why do I have all these other feelings? And God, the Holy Spirit, took me back to my childhood and said, because you heard a lot of things, saw a lot of things that completely oppose the goodness of God. And so this is partly, uh, you know, this is why we have to really get into the Word of God. Because healing, you know, as is, is important and wonderful as healing of our physical body is, our, God wants our soul to be well, our, to be whole up here, to have peace in our heart, to know that I'm worthy. God sees me as a beloved child of God. You mean, what good is having healing in your body and still just feel depressed and sad and, and, and go about feeling defeated? This is why I have said this all along the way, too, that, you know, our healing, God often wants to heal up here first (laughs) before the manifestation comes in our physical body. He wants us to trust him with all of our heart, you know, all of our soul, all of our strength, and then to be fruitful for him. Of course, to take the healing and the wellness and the wholeness that he gives us and serve other people with it. It's not just meant for you. Very often, the work that God is doing in your heart, he wants you to to extend that same hand of comfort and wholeness. And here's the path, because here's the path God took me on from Scripture, and we we can reach out and help other people with it. And so our fruitfulness depends on these things, too. Well, okay, so that's just a little review for what we've been Looking at, you can also always go online and listen. There's a podcast, and we have a YouTube channel and all those things in order to catch up and refresh yourself. Uh, And we really do need repetition. Faith comes by hearing, (laughs) and hearing by the Word of God. And that word hearing means ongoing. It's not a one-time hearing. We need repetitious hearing of the Word of God. So over these past uh, several weeks, I've shared uh, with you from an angle of receiving healing that really has to do with uh, receiving it for yourself. like Because Jesus did say very often, your faith has made you whole. And so I've talked with you from the angle of building up your own faith in your heart. But certainly we see times in Scripture where Jesus healed the sick who had no faith. (laughs) You know? There was no indication of any faith involved. He did it simply as a demonstration of the mercy and compassion of the goodness of God. He just reached into people's bondage, into their sin, and said, here's who I am. I can make you whole. And often, uh, we put healing, we put a lot of the blessings of God on a merit system. You know, we make quick judgments. Like, well, I don't know if I've read enough Bible, or I'm holy enough, or you know, I'm worthy enough. I know enough. But it's our healing, just like our salvation, is not based on your merit before God. Yeah, it's his merit. It's based on the unconditional love of God that he poured out to all on the cross. And I think that's, some, that's just a mindset, too, that we have to get over in our, in our own heart that Jesus is not going to love you uh, any more tomorrow than he does today. I, you know, I struggled with that for a long time. and thought, that doesn't seem right. If I serve you and I obey you, shouldn't you love me more? But it's not, doesn't work like that. His love and his salvation and healing is unconditional. Uh, and so I want to look at a story from this angle uh, that comes from John chapter 5. If you brought your Bible or you have your electronic device, your phone, you want to pull this up we are going to have it up on the screen it's the story uh, John chapter 5 of the lame man the invalid at the pool of Bethesda Uh, he's described as a man who had a long-standing disorder of some kind scripture doesn't exactly say what he had uh, but he had it for 38 years that's a long time And the Bible uses the word invalid, which has this meaning of just weakness, frailty, little strength. So whatever condition he had made him along the way just pretty helpless person. So let's just read the story, and we'll take some things apart in it. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you want to become well? It's an interesting question. The invalid man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and recovering his strength, he picked up his bed and walked. (laughs) But that happened on the Sabbath. (laughs) And we know what's going to happen here next. (laughs) So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to pick up your bed. I mean, the bed was like a mat. It wasn't, you know, some big heavy mattress. It was just a mat that they (laughs) laid on. (laughs) I mean, how about the hardness of heart of these Pharisees? You know, no joy or compassion over the healing of a man who's been an invalid for 38 years. It's like just caught up in their rules. No, you broke the rule. Pick another day to get healed on. Go back to your mat. Lay down. And I think, ah, wait another 38 years. Yeah. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Verse 13, and now the man who had been healed didn't know who it was. For Jesus had passed on unnoticed as there was a crowd in the place. Now, it's kind of interesting to me that the man didn't know who it was. Like, you'd think if you were healed, you'd got up and walk. You'd be like, who are you? Wait, talk to me. Like, what just happened to my life? And apparently he didn't, it doesn't even say anything that he recorded. He even said thank you at his response. I mean, because it said just Jesus just walked off unnoticed in the crowd of people there. Verse 14, and afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. (laughs) Interesting statement again. (laughs) Verse 15, and the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Another (laughs) interesting part. He goes and tells the Jews who it was, probably so that they would quit hassling him and he could just go on his way. And this was why, verse 16, it says, this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I too am at work. Hallelujah. Thank God, and that's so true today. He's still at work today. Yeah. Amen. I mean, such a, an interesting story. I want to look at a couple different angles of this story. First, just, let's just picture the scene. Okay, Jesus is, comes to Jerusalem for this feast in a section of the city there was a place called the Sheep Gate. It had five covered porches. And un, under these five covered porches were a multitude. It said a multitude, very many invalids, sick people, lame people, paralyzed people. A great number of them just lying around. I mean, it's, it's a sad picture. Waiting, hoping to be healed. And that pool of Bethesda, the word Bethesda means Mercy. So, it's a house of mercy. And it had this underground, uh, underground spring, yeah, that would occasionally bubble up. And when it did, Scripture says, you know, the first person who would get into the water would be healed from the bubbling of the water. But the water must not have bubbled very much <laughs> because all a multitude of sick folk, invalid crippled, lame people were lying around there. It must not have bubbled up very much. And this man had been there for 38 years, uh, waiting to be healed. And so imagine how frustrating, hopeless this would seem. Everybody sick, everybody waiting. Maybe this is the day the water will bubble, hoping, looking at the pool. No, another day went by. You know, nothing bubbled up. Maybe tomorrow, you know, maybe better luck tomorrow. You know, you feel like you just, you would just feel like this is my only hope. If this thing doesn't bubble, I'm here, right? What kind of perception after 38 years do you think a person would have about themselves? Not good, yeah. (laughs) Maybe this will be the day, you know, I say it again, maybe this will be the day. Almost four decades have passed now, and he's still hoping to be healed, lying on his mat, you know, just next to that water. And it would, it would have to just be a, a situation of hopelessness. It would look hopeless. And his problem would just become his life, right? I mean, every day, nothing's changed. It's just the problem becomes his life. And, you know, only when you've dealt with something in your life for a long time... A painful issue doesn't even have to be maybe a physical infirmity it could just be an emotional mindset it it not only affects your body but if you are sick in your body it affects your soul it starts to affect the way you think you think like a sick person you talk like a sick person I mean think about this man all his friends were sick (laughs) and you know I mean conversation in life would be around sickness Or your issue, whatever you're dealing with. How are you today? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even ask. (laughs) Because what are you going to talk about? I remember when we were younger, (laughs) you know, you'd sit around family gatherings and you'd hear the older people talking. (laughs) Feel like, oh my gosh, listen to them all the medicine they're on, all the aches and pains that they have. I'm never going to do that. It's like now Steve and I are like, we don't want to sound like our parents do. We we need to. But, you know, and I'm not belittling like the difficulty of living with some chronic pain, but it can consume your thoughts. It'll consume your talk. It'll consume your focus, your perspective. And if it's not maybe some kind of physical thing, if it's another issue that you're dealing with in your life, it becomes just a big part of what you, what you see, your perspective. And sometimes uh, we lose our perspective, and we just think we don't even see how much we do it, the issues that we're dealing with. And then, you know, I think to myself, if you wonder, well, do I have any issues like that? Just ask your spouse. It's like, do I, <laughs> it's like, do I have anything that I need, or your best friend, somebody who's who's willing to be honest with you about the issues in our lives. But this man had to have felt trapped, hopeless after such a long time. And I think, but thank God Jesus knows how to just walk right into our life and enter in and offer freedom. And that's what he did to this man. He offered wholeness. And Jesus asked this interesting question, verse 6. Do you want to be made well? What? I mean, when I read that, I think, what? What kind of question is this, Jesus? Like, here's a man who's been struggling with something for 38 years, a disorder almost. It almost seems rude. Like, do you you want to be made well? Sometimes I think maybe Jesus said, do you really want to be made well? (laughs) Because Jesus doesn't waste words. He didn't ask the man, do you have faith and to be healed? Uh, You know, this was just going to be a sheer gift of God's mercy and love given to him, but he said, do you want to become well? And the amazing thing is this man, according to scripture, didn't respond yes. <laughs> You'd think he would have shouted yes! Finally, my day's come, but he didn't. I don't have anybody, you know, and I don't know the demeanor of the man, but he said, like, I don't have anybody to put me in the water, and when I try, somebody else comes in ahead of me, and, and Jesus simply said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And it says that once the man did recover, he recovered strength. And he walked, picked up his mat and walked. So, okay, so Jesus met the man in the most hopeless of conditions, freely gave him the gift of healing. And he offered, he sets him out on a whole new life. Yeah. After 38 years, let's remember, it's been 38 years. And I think this is why Jesus even said, asked the question, do you really want to be made well? Because after 38 years, some things are going to have to change in your life if you get well, right? It was a call to an entirely new way of living. After being stuck in that same environment, stuck with the same friends, stuck with the same conversation, you're going to have to learn some new ways of living after 38 years, right? Create a whole new set of challenges for you. As wonderful as healing is, it's like I'm tossed into a whole different world now. And I think Jesus knew this about this man. How much do you really want this? Right. So instead of, you know, just saying, yes, I want it, he did voice kind of an excuse. You know, again, I, I don't know his demeanor, but maybe he did just say, I, nobody, I, like, it's not my fault. I've been trying. People get in ahead of me, and I've been here for 38 years, and... So, in some senses, he, he just made an excuse. Right. I tried, but it hasn't worked. It's not my fault. <laughs> Somebody else always, you know, ruins it for me. So, God asks, you know, do you really, he's asking him, do you really want to be made well? What, the, the way I want to approach this story is I think God asks us the same thing That's right. when he offers us life. Do you really want to be made well? Because we can do the same thing that this man did. We can make excuses. <laughs> I it, I it, I we can just make excuses, you know, of why well, I'm different. It might not exactly work for me. <laughs> and as a pastor over the years, I've seen this over and over again. You get into conversations with people uh, struggling with, you know, long-term issues in their life or hurting maybe addictions in their life, bad relationships that they need to get out of, destructive, um, you know, behaviors that they're involved in, they're in unforgiveness with people. And I'd say, you know, the good news is God has an answer. Here's the the answer. Here's what God says to do to walk in freedom and be whole. And it often happens that the person would turn around and say, yeah, I know, I I know, but let me tell you about, like, how hard it's been, and the people that have hurt me, and all the things that I've been through, and it's like, I know, we've talked about all that, but let me tell you about how God can make you whole. Here's what, here's the, here are some of the things you can do to find wholeness in your life, and then it could go right back to this convoluted story. Well, I know that, but you don't understand my situation, Here's, what, here's how it's been for me, and here's what's happened to me. And it's like, I know, we've talked about that. <laughs> I go back, like, here's, but here's what God's Word says. <laughs> and it gets to be this convoluted thing of, basically, here's why I'm the exception to why the power of God cannot change me in my life. <laughs> it, <laughs> It could be about marriage, you know. I, I, I know that I believe that God heals and blesses marriages, but here's why it just won't work for me. Here's what's happened, and here's why it can't work. Or it could be money problems, you know. I know we're encouraged to challenge the tithe, but here's why it won't work for me. I cannot give because I just started this other job, and I have all these bills, and I have, and it's like we have all these things that we say, right. Here's how to make you whole, and I think, you know, I've said here's how, here's, Here's, here's how to start your year off, right? G- give God six. Here's six simple things you can do in order to improve your life, to experience God's blessing. And you're like, well, it's just, it, that's hard because I can't come to church, and I don't really like hanging around with people. I don't really like sharing my life with people, and on and on. You know, we, just, we, we can make excuses. You get well. Yeah, do you want to get well, Jesus says. I you know I'm supposed to forgive, but you don't know how much I've been hurt and the pain that I'm in, how these people offended me. I know, I know. I, do you want to get well? <laughs> Here's why I'm the exception to the power of God to change me in my circumstance and in in the outcome in my life. And it's crazy because even though we're miserable in our pain, it's easier to just sit in your comfort zone of that, of your weakness. Yeah. And God, you know, your misery loves company. Sometimes we just gravitate then to people that have the same issue, the same complaints. We all want to sit in the same porch together, I guess, like those, you know, (laughs) talk about our issue with one another because the thought of changing can be scary. It's new territory you have to live in. I mean, when we invite people, come to church. Be a part of a fellowship. Get to know one another. Share your life. Uh, Obviously, it's scary for people. People have a difficult time sharing and being honest about their life. And, you know, Jesus, I think, knew this about this man's motivation. And that's why he asked after 38 years, do you, maybe he would have, do you really want to be, become well? Because the thought of change, you know, again, I say brings up having to face some things in our life. That we haven't faced before. We don't really want to look at it honestly. It could be an addiction in our life. It could be pornography. You know, it could be we're stuck in in certain fears that we don't tell people about. But we just live in them. These insecurities, these shames on the inside of us. It's like Jesus saying, I can make you whole. But we're going to have to walk towards those things. We're going to have to open up our life about them to be made whole. Anger, control issues. Jesus is like, I want you to learn to let go and trust me. You know, we can develop a lot of self-pity over the, things, over the things we say that we've had pains in our life for. But Jesus will give us grace to change. He will give us all the grace that we need to adapt. Yes. This is part of what this story is. He just enters into our life and says, pick up your mat and walk and be made whole. Nobody, I put this on the screen, nobody can hinder the destiny on your life but you. It's so important for us to understand. We cannot keep blaming and making excuses. Nobody can hinder the destiny on your life but you. It's, it's up to you. It's our decision. And with the grace of God, we can all go forward. Yes. So in the midst of that reasoning, and ex, you know, I would say the excuse this man gave, Jesus just says to him, get up and walk. Take up your bed and walk. Jesus wanted him to put effort into it. Effort. It will take effort to change. It's going to take effort for you and me to change. Because, you know, when we are stuck in our excuses, we prefer to be have people around us affirm us. Oh, really? Oh, and I'm not, believe me, I have compassion. We counsel people, we understand that. But at some point, you know, we want affirmation after affirmation. Oh, yes, I know it's been so hard. And let me just, you know, I'll listen to your story again and again. We want to be stroked. We want people to agree with us. Amen? <laughs> or oh, me? <laughs> you know, Because why? Why do we do that? Because it's, it's hard to change. It's like, don't just listen to my story, but don't point me to change. See, but if I agree with you, Over and over and over again about your pain, about your lingering, like this man, lingering disorder. I'm going to enable you to stay in it. You'll never, you'll stay stuck. I will enable you. And this is, you know, you'll just stay in bondage. This is often why I believe, often why people walk away from church in the life of God. Because when you begin to confront long-standing issues, you could come to a sermon like this or you could hear something and go, I don't know, this is like rubs me the wrong way. And guess what you do? <laughs> you just shut the door to your wholeness. Yes. You know, I'm surprised sometimes at the resistance that you meet with people in it. You know, if you say God can make a way where there seems no way, all things are possible with God. It's like, but often it doesn't happen by just, presto, boom, I lay my hands on you, and I I wish it did. (laughs) But this is where Jesus is going to say, pick up your mat and walk. And he's meaning walk with me. He's meaning it's going to take effort to pick up that mat and go forward on a new path with him. You know, say, well, pastor, it's not that easy. You don't know my life. Let me tell you my story. And we just, we go, (laughs) Just agree with me about my special circumstance. But the thing is, our our culture affirms victimhood. Does it not? Somebody owes me. It's not my fault. You know, you did this to me. Now you owe me. I mean, something may have happened to you. I I saw this statement somewhere. Something may have happened to you. But Jesus did something for you. Something may have happened to you in your life. But Jesus did something for you, and what he did for you will set you free if we put in the effort to go with him on it. I mean, you are a son or daughter of God, just like what we sang. We're no longer slaves to fear. I'm a child of God, and I have a different future when I walk with God. You know, if you lay forever on that mat, and I'm saying this as a metaphor You know, you you become the victim. You become the victim. And a victim mentality will just keep you on the mat. Just, you know, people come help me, affirm me. And Jesus is saying, like he said to this man, get up. Get up and walk. I have healing for you. Pick up your mat. Make the effort. Pick up your mat and walk with me to be made whole. And it will take effort. And it will require us to change in our heart. But when you decide to get off the mat, what you're doing is you're, help, you're going to eventually help somebody else get off the mat. That's what I'm doing here this morning. You know, the things that God helped me get off the mat for that I could say, hey, you can do it too. You know, do it for the sake of the generation that's coming up. If you get off the mat, then the next generation that you influence will get off the mat or or never get on. and, And even for the sake of bearing good fruit for God, you know, God will put you in an environment where you can help other people get off their mat because Satan and religion will want to keep you lying there, keep you on the mat, just like the Pharisee. Get back. It's not your day to be healed. Go back down. I mean, there are churches that will preach against that will say healing isn't for you. It's like saying, get back on your mat. Satan doesn't want you to get well. He wants you to stay with the familiar. Keep to your excuses. Just come and go. You could come and go in church and, and never make the effort, never apply the things that you feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do to make you whole. Just come in and leave, come in and leave. And somehow we satisfy this religious mindset. Something must be happening. But if you're not making an effort, if you're not applying the things that you learn, if you're not casting down that imagination and you're not pressing on and you're not fellowshipping with other people of like faith, it's very likely that very little is happening. Amen? Yeah. I mean, I could, I could relate to the man on the map, the metaphor of this person, I mean, I think we can all relate because we all have issues in our life, things that we've had to deal with, some of them long-standing. because I say this is so common from childhood. You know, we think we just, because we were 18 years old and we left our house, we left behind everything that may have wounded us even in our childhood. And very often we, we come to Christ and, and Jesus is like, I want to make you whole. I want to go back and mend those broken places that were, that were broken for you as a child. And so we all have the need for wholeness in our. And I, and I say to my, is it worth it? How many of you have let the Lord walk you through some of these things? Is it worth it? Yeah. Yes, it's worth it. I mean, we both come from a background uh, of addiction. My dad was alcoholic. I grew up in a home where there was alcoholism. Pastor Steve struggled with alcoholism when early in our marriage. It almost ended our marriage. You know, and, and a lot of changes. We had to deal with a lot of issues and a lot of changes in our life when we finally allowed God to confront it. But we drew a line at some point. We just drew a line in the Spirit and said, okay, this has happened in your generation, in my past generations. It's not going to happen to our kids. It's not going to happen in a future generation. So you have to make that effort, see, and fight. You're right. Did it take effort? Yeah. Did it require change? Yes. Honesty to look at yourself and go, I've been in denial. Like the blinders all of a sudden come off. It can be very humbling to think that you've got it all together and all of a sudden the Lord starts to show you, you don't have it together as much as you think. That you have some healing to do. You need some pride to come off. You need some humility here. You need some surrender in your life. And accountability. You know, and at some point just stop shifting the blame and, you know, pointing to other people. And this is why I am the way I am. I'm convinced of this, that you will be made whole to the extent, to the degree that you want it. To the degree that you want it, you can be made whole. Because Jesus offers fullness of grace. He's not going to stop. He'll go as far with you to wholeness as you want to go. Nobody can hinder, again, the destiny on your life but you. You. We can become our own, you know, worst enemies. And then one final point as we're looking at the time here. In the story, you know, after this man was made well. Yeah. He didn't know who Jesus was. It says, for Jesus slipped away in the crowd unnoticed. Which, again, I think this man didn't even, you know, a lot of these people ran after and spread the news and couldn't keep it quiet. He goes and tells the Jews who were going to persecute Jesus. But, so he afterward had said, verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, this is worth noting that Jesus says this, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Sin can open the door to affliction in our life. Some of you might think, why am I suffering? Why am I dealing with what I'm dealing with? There may be issues of sin in your life that the door has been opened to that you need to shut. Don't give Satan access points in your life. There are things that are very much have a potential. I mentioned this before, this curiosity. I'm just going to watch this movie. I'm just going to go with these friends here. I'm just going to look at this video. I'm just going to watch this porn for a little bit. I'm going to, you know, turn on this media. I'm going to hang out with these friends in this environment. All these things, depending on what they are, can open the door to affliction in your life. Because Satan, it's, it's an access point. Sin is an access point in our life. And there's plenty out there, is there not? There's plenty enough access points in your life. So we have to make every effort on our path to healing to shut the doors to sin in our life, to recognize that's going to take me down the wrong path. I'm shutting the door. Will I make the effort to do it? That's the question. That's part of picking up our mat and walking. But if Jesus says to the man, sin no more, then there's grace to do it. He's not asking for something that's an impossibility, or he shouldn't have said it. But he knows that we can die to sin in our life and live to righteousness. But see, again, that could be a scary thought, depending on the world you're living in. People caught up in addiction and just other, you know, practices that bring shame and bring destruction in our life. You know, but the beautiful thing, you know, is that God can do a miracle, you can give your life to Christ, and he can begin the process of healing and wholeness. And that's really, well, just, you know, Jesus is asking us today We're at 1130. Yeah. He's asking us today, let's just close our eyes and just in your own little world with the Lord. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit talk to you. This is so important to just become aware of the Holy Spirit, don't tune Him out. He is our loving teacher and our guide. He wants to show you and lead you in the truth. You came to church today for a reason. I'm go- I would assume you want to be whole. You want God to do something in your life. So Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you really want the life that I'm offering you? You know, and if your response is yes, which would be the wise response, allow him to take you on a path. It'll be slow. It'll be loving. He's kind. He's a good teacher. But he wants to make you whole. Are you willing to pick up your mat, get off your mat, See yourself, I'm picking it up. I'm going to be made whole. But as you see yourself picking it up, you're walking with Jesus. You're putting your hand in his and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. I need your help. Thank you for your mercy. And we just stop making excuses. And we do the things, the little things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do to be made whole. You know, maybe he's talking to you about forgiveness. Maybe he's talking to you about honesty. Maybe he's talking to you about the friends you hang out with. For the sake of your future, for the sake of your children, will you do it? For the sake of a changed generation, for the sake of helping another person get off the mat, how can we help another person if we haven't let the Lord into our heart to heal us and make us whole? You know, it's like the song that we sing: we are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. Let me just bow our heads here. You have your heads bowed. I just want to make an invitation to know Christ. You know, if you listen to this and you think, I am the per- I'm like a person. I'm still wondering how I'll ever be fixed. Well, Jesus is your answer today. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be saved? Made righteous? It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. And he's willing and offering it to you today. If there's anybody in here who's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, here's an opportunity. Just raise your hand. You don't have to do it high. Just raise it up enough that I could see it and know that we pray a prayer with you today. You'll be saved. And on the path, yes, to righteousness, (laughs) get off that mat and walk with him. Anybody in here today, I'm going to just say a general prayer for those who might be listening that want to give their life to Christ. Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for the offer of eternal life. I'm responding today, I'm saying yes, come into my heart, come into my life, and help and lead me all my days forward, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.